Father, we uh, tonight do want to lift up the whole situation and with the Ukraine and all that's going on there, God. We just pray that your hand would be upon that, Lord. And just it's always horrible to hear about uh, just loss of life and and uh, just gross things happening. And so, God, we want to commit that to you. Pray that you would bring a quick solution and resolution to that. And Lord, as we do get into your word and we kind of look at a topic tonight that sometimes can, can uh, like just like freak us out a little bit, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that it wouldn't be a time where maybe we in our mind analyze why we should agree or not agree, but Lord, that we would understand this is your will for us and your desire for us. So I do pray you would give us open minds, but more importantly, open hearts that, that God, we would receive what you have and Lord, that we would glorify you with this life that we have. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so tonight we get into that section in Peter and it's interesting how Peter comes to a place now where he's just gonna talk about uh, just some of the things that we walk through as Christians and some of the behavior we should have as Christians. And tonight he starts with something that we all love, this idea of submission. And this isn't wives to husbands, this is submission in general. And I think, I gotta be honest, I think culturally we kinda don't get that. Because culturally, we're part of a, a, of a culture that is a democracy, and we think we all need to have a say, we all need to have a vote, we all need to decide. God never said, and you know what? God's not all about democracies. God's about a theocracy. And we are, listen, we're called as believers to submit. And some of us can't even spell submission. You know, it's like, listen, submission is not agreeing because that's what a lot of us think. Well, I submit until you disagree and then you no longer submit. That's not submitting. Submitting is more when you don't agree and you're still gonna submit because you know it's the right thing to do. So Peter's gonna talk about that and it's kind of interesting to me thinking about Peter talking about it because if there was ever like a poster child for not submitting, it's kind of Peter, right? Peter's the one that told the Lord that he didn't have to suffer, he didn't have to do certain things, and Peter kind of had the hoof and mouth disease, and, and so, listen, he's kind of that guy that you're thinking, man, and maybe he's writing because he's got so radically changed by the grace of God that he understands it a little bit more. So I was gonna begin just by, just by giving us a definition. Uh, Webster says submission to submit is this, to surrender or yield oneself to the will or authority of another. That's kind of simple, right? Now the Greek for the, the, the term that's used, the Greek is to subject oneself or to put under authority. So kind of think about that when we think about our lives. And listen, I know a lot of us, we say we submit until we don't agree. And then we go against it. And if we're really honest in, you know, in the world we live in, we do that often and we don't even, listen, a lot of us don't even think about it. So Peter starts, and it's interesting, look at where he starts in verse 13. As he's thinking about this life and the life we're to live as Christians, here's what he says. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme 
or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So he sets up, now listen, I wanna, because I think the New King James says it okay, but I wanna read it in a couple other translations, just verse 13 especially. In the New American Standard, here's what it says. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether a king as one in authority or a governor that goes on to say. And then the NIV says in 1 Peter 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. If we're really honest, we don't like that, right? We gotta, listen, we gotta be honest. We kinda, we kinda say, well, you know, it's, but if they're doing something wrong, I don't have to submit to them. It's not what it says. Who was in charge when Peter was writing this? Do you know who was in charge? Nero. One of the worst Caesars of, of all time, one of the worst dictators and leaders of all time. And notice he doesn't give that caveat of, hey, we need to submit, but if it's Nero, we don't have to. And I think, listen, I think as believers, we have to be careful, especially, especially in America. We have this, listen, we have this ingrained idea that we have, you know, certain rights and we're gonna exercise our rights because, because the Constitution gives us rights. And I understand that, but to what degree? We're supposed to be believers. And notice what he says, we submit, why? For the Lord's sake. We do it because we're believers. We do it because we want to honor God with our lives and we want to, listen, we want to make him supreme. So he says, listen, we do it for the Lord's sake and then, and then at the end he says, listen, you got to understand God put people in authority. I know that's hard to believe. It's hard to believe sometimes when we think right now what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Do you believe God put Putin in authority? If God didn't, then he's not in control of things and we're in a heap of trouble. Now, I'm not saying God instituted what's going on, but we have to understand, listen, there are people, and I personally, I don't always agree with God's choices of people in authority in our country. Sometimes I think he blows it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and sometimes in prayer time I tell him, are you sure? but I have to believe it and here's what I have to do, then I have to submit. Whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it. Listen, submission isn't agreeing, it's putting yourself under that authority. And here's what I believe, we've been studying in 1 John a lot, and we've been studying in 1 John about, um, not a lot, but a lot about love. And 1 John has been very, very strong in how can you say you love him who you don't see if you're not loving him who you see, right? And most of us kind of, well, I kind of get that. Okay, let's put that in Peter's teaching. How can you say you submit to him you don't see when you refuse to submit to him you do see? Oh, Pat, that's not fair. That's plain dirty. See, because it's easy for us to say, well, I submit to God, but you don't see him, but you're not submitting to the one you do see? Saints, we need to be honest, we need to be real. And I think we need to understand, listen, we need to be people who we're willing, we're even willing to admit when we're blowing it. Now listen, this isn't just a Peter idea. In Romans chapter 13, which you can read Romans chapter 13 for homework. 
In Romans chapter 13, Paul says the same thing. At about, listen, and Paul was earlier, so Nero wasn't in charge yet, and Paul's saying the same thing, uh, that we need to be people who are willing to do that. In other words, we need to be careful when we want to have it our way. God's not Burger King, right? We need to be careful, we need to watch out. So listen, he tells us that, he says, for the Lord's sake, and then he goes into, whether it's the king, right? So listen, you need to submit, whether it's the person, the, 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 the main person in charge, or he says, or to governors or those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. We like it when the, the law agrees with us and it's a good thing. When we don't like the law, we think it's okay to break it, right? Most of us break speed limits all the time, right? I mean, come on, we can be honest here. We're in church. We roll through stop signs, right? Why stop? Because, hey, I've been here a thousand times. There's never anybody at this intersection, have you ever run a red light? Have you ever run a, now, now listen, I'm not talking about like you were hoping it was yellow and it kind of turned pink on your way through. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, have you ever been stopped and there's absolutely no traffic and you got tired of waiting? Huh? No, all of you are going, no. Some of you are honest, right? You get tired of waiting, what do you do? I don't care, I'm going. That's called rebellion, right? And some of you are going, no, 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 you don't understand. No, I understand. I do the same thing. But we need to admit, listen, and, and here's the thing. Didn't Jesus say, if you can't be faithful in the little things, why would you be expected to give, be given more? And so I think Peter, listen, I think this is a good thing for all of us, you know, in our culture to understand culturally, we need to be a little bit more careful. And, you know, I was reading one person and he goes, just look at the entire universe. When God created everything, he didn't create a great big democracy. He created something that had order and structure and it had a, you know, it had structure in government and structure in headship. And then it boiled down to creation. It boiled down to humanity. And even in the Godhead, we see it. And we need to understand it's okay. And listen, those people who are in charge are responsible for what they're doing. We're responsible for our part. Now, listen, he goes a little bit further as he talks about this. And he's saying, verse 15, for this is the will of God. Now, I just want to stop there and think about that. He just said to submit to every, to every institution, every authority. And he goes, whether it's a king or whether it's somebody he sent. And then he says this. This is the will of God. How many times do we say, I really want to do God's will? But not that way, right? <laughs> That's kind of what we think sometimes. I want to do God's will, but not that way. I want to do God's will my way, and I want to do it according to me. So listen, this is God's will. I love that, and highlight that in your Bible. It might help you. And then he says, listen, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I think it's important that we understand something. When we are walking in the Spirit, and we're walking according to God's will, Listen, we bring him glory and people can't talk against God. But let me tell you something, Christian. When you decide to rebel and do certain things, guess who jumps on that bandwagon? The unbeliever. 
and they look at Christians and they go, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I don't know about you guys, but there's times in my life I've been called out by unbelievers. That stinks. It's okay, I don't mind believers calling me out, but when an unbeliever does this, I thought you were a Christian. Oh, that hurts. And so here's what he's saying, man. By doing good, we shut the mouths of those, listen, of those and put to silence the ignorance and foolishness of men. And he can't talk bad about God because we are proving, listen, we're proving that God exists by him working through us. So I think that's extremely important and we understand that. And then he goes on even further to say this, verse 16, as free yet not using your liberty as a cloak for, for uh, vice, but as bond servants of God. Oh, don't use this freedom that you have. We've been set free, right, in Jesus? Yeah, someone say amen. That's a good thing, right? But don't use that as a liberty to do bad things or to even say, hey, I'm free, I don't have to do that. He said, be careful what we do. And we need to be people who we're, we're careful, we're, we're diligent about what we're doing. And listen, we need to understand something. Do you know that when you became a Christian, you became a slave of God? That's pretty intense when you think about it. And he uses the term bond slave, which is, is that person, if you remember in Exodus, remember that book? Should be reading it right now. Just thought I'd put that out there. But remember in Exodus, if you were a slave and you wanted to be, you, you know, and you were set free, you could come back and be that bond slave, right? And they would use an awl and they would pierce your ear. That's why all the guys who have piercings, they're saying they're bond slaves of Jesus. And so just throwing that out. But listen, man, he's telling us, listen, we're bond slaves of God. And the bond slave also sometimes could be considered that person who was the under rower, the bottom of the ship and in that place. So if you're truly a bond servant of Jesus, would you not submit to authority around you? Hmm. And yet, a lot of us, we rebel against authority, but we want to serve Jesus. Doesn't make sense. So he throws that out, and then verse 17, I think is intense. Honor all people, love the brethren, or love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So first of all, he gives a general thing, right? Honor all people. And listen, I don't think he's meaning, uh, you know, all in the sense of all. I think he's meaning all in the sense of social status, ethnicity, race, whatever. You just need to honor people. We need to be people that we need to understand something. Everyone is created in the image of God. We need to be careful how we treat other people. And he says, listen, so first we need to honor all people, and then he kind of gets into the first John thing. We need to love the brotherhood. We need to love one another. And how on earth, listen, how on earth can we pretend that we love God when First John told us last weekend or two weekends ago, you can't tell me you love God when you hate your brother. So we need to love each other, right? Love the brotherhood. And that means we gotta be connected with each other. That means you have to talk to each other once in a while, have a conversation with one another, sit down with one another. So he says, love the brotherhood, right? So that means, listen, that means we, gotta, we kinda gotta get together. And then, and then he says this, he says, fear God. 
which is a good thing. And I think a lot of us say, yeah, I fear God. Not in a sense of, ah, I'm afraid of God, but in a sense of, I respect God. I want to honor God. I want to show him honor and respect and, and et cetera. I think that's what he's talking about. Again, you're here on a Thursday night. I think most people in here are already in that place. But then he says this, honor the king. I don't really like the king. Here's what I kind of like. He doesn't say you have to like the king. He says you got to honor the king. I don't want to do that. Okay, don't, but then don't go around saying how much you love God, right? He gives those four commands. And listen, those are four areas we need to watch in our lives. And I think most of us, listen, most of us, I think, do really good with honoring all people. I think, I think we're pretty good about that. I think in this fellowship, I watch that and I see that and I think that's good. I think we have this, this caring about the brotherhood, about one another. We reach out. I think we do that good. I think we do have a fear of God. I'm not so sure we want to honor the king so much, though. doesn't matter who the king is. That office deserves honor. And we need to not forget that. And it's easy to forget that, especially when you don't agree with certain, you know, political things or, or climates or whatever's going on. So listen, that's the command he gives us. Now, now listen, he's not done because he starts out general submission to the government and authority in general is what he's talking about. Now he kind of brings it down to an area that we all love to talk about. Check this out. Look at verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters. Oh, man. Most of us are not slaves, right? Some of us feel like slaves. But you have to remember something. In that culture, listen, they say there was up to, there was up to six million slaves in Rome at that time. That's a lot of people. And so in that culture, and it wasn't that, their, their slavery wasn't the ugly atrocity that we had here in America is slavery. It was, but it was still, listen, it always cracks me up. It still doesn't dignify it, right? I think it was Aristotle said that slaves were nothing more than tools, and although they're animated and inanimate objects were just tools in themselves. So listen, they treated people horrible. They didn't treat every slave good, but it was more common and it's a little bit more accepted. And, you know, I've told you before, a lot of teachers were slaves. Some teachers feel that way today, right? A lot of, the, the thing that always cracked me up is a lot of the medical profession were slaves. You had your, like, own slave doctor. That would be kind of handy, wouldn't it? But so you, you understand that. But here's the thing that blows my mind in the New Testament. As you read through the New Testament, whether we're reading the Gospels with Jesus or whether they're reading the writings of Paul or the writings of Peter or the writings of John, these guys never say, first and foremost, you need to revolt against the government that's over you. Although they had every right to write that. They had a horrible government over them. They never bring that up. What do they bring up? You need to submit. And then, they don't bring up, you need to make sure people are, are freed from slaves. You need to make sure you get your freedom. What does he say? Slaves do what? Submit to your masters. Wow. I believe, listen, I believe we can put that in today's vernacular. Employees submit to your employer. 
but I don't like my employer. That's not the issue. We're not asking again. We're not asking about a popularity thing. We're not asking about like or dislike. Here's what we're saying. We need to be people. If we're going to honor God, we need to be submissive in our workplace to that person that's over us. And we need to accept that. Oh, and oh, well, let's read this part. He says, listen, submit to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Listen, some people, I've had some people say, you know, you don't know, but my boss is, I think, the devil incarnate. And I always tell people this. Number one, the Bible says whether they're good or bad, you submit to them. Number two, if, if you don't like your job, here's, we do have the freedom to quit and get another job. Right? You were looking for a job when you got that one, weren't you? Not your heads. <laughs> so you can, get, you can look for another job, but when you're at that job, you need to be somebody, you're gonna submit to your employer. That is extremely important. Again, today, how many times do I hear people really just badmouth the people over them or even badmouth the company or whoever they're working for and they just wanna trash talk them? That's not a good thing. Listen, that's not a godly thing. It's surely not bringing honor or glory to God and we need to recognize that in our lives. When I worked for the mining company in Bisbee, when I worked for Phelps Dodge, it, it kind of always cracked me up. Like, you know, the day you got hired, that was the greatest company in the entire world. And when you got mad at them, they were dirty dogs. <laughs> but you didn't mind taking their money, right? We like payday. Payday's the good day, right? But I think we need to, I, listen, Again, I think we need to be careful as we think about this. And most of us are not, quote, slavery. Maybe we feel like it. But that doesn't give you an excuse to not submit. The Bible's real clear. Listen, I think we could win the world more in these two areas if we would act more like Christians in these two areas than I think all of the witnessing we do all over, if we would just get this in our hearts and flesh it out, I think we would blow people's minds. And so he says, listen, we do that whether they're good or whether they're bad. And then I, I, I kind of like this part. I think this is coming from Peter's heart because I think he experienced some of this. He says, verse 19, for it is commendable. What? We submit whether they're good or bad. Why? Because it's commendable. If because of, of conscience toward God, one endures grief, Suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Do you hear what he's saying? How come you would get credit if you do a dumb thing and you get in trouble for it? That's not, you're not doing anything. And again, as Christians, I see some Christians put themselves in positions where they violate either maybe their employer or they violate some law and then they act like they're being persecuted. You're not being persecuted. You're getting the consequences of your behavior. And here's what Peter says. Why should you like to, why should you boast about that? Even if you, listen, even if you take it, okay. But most don't, most kick and scream. There was a guy I knew and he wasn't, listen, he was not a good witness for the Lord and he was a missionary. I'll put that in quotes. And he had this contraption that he called a car <laughs> that he had taken a blowtorch to and he had cut parts off 
and he made a truck out of a car, and it wasn't a real good job. And he had, he's, he's in Tucson, and he's driving, and he's got ladders sticking out, and he's got stuff sticking out, and this thing's like, this thing is like dangerous on the highway. <laughs> and a highway patrolman stopped him, and he only stopped him because he was gonna tell him, hey, your taillights are out, which is pretty, I don't know how the highway patrolman found that out. But the highway patrolman walked up to him and here's what this guy said. You have no authority over me. I'm a child of God. And he says, and I'm under, you know, the authority of Jesus, not under your authority. And the highway patrolman was great. He says, okay. And he went back and he wrote him 14 violations. And he just walked up and he handed it to him and he said, here, give these to Jesus and walked away. But saints, we do that sometimes, don't we? We may not be that radical, but we do things, and here's what he's saying, man. You can't be doing that. You're not somebody, if you're suffering because you have blown it, don't blame that on God. Don't blame that on, on what he's done. I had another friend that was, notice I use quotes a lot, a missionary in Mexico and he got kicked out of Mexico because he was violating, listen, he was violating some of their property laws, knowingly violating them, and they came to him and they said, pack up your stuff and get out of our country. And then here's what he said, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're suffering because you're a jerk is what you're doing. You're suffering because you broke laws. And here's what Peter says, what commendable, you can be commended for that. Someone's not gonna look at you for that, but listen, he goes on. He says, listen, that's not commendable. He says, but, in the middle of verse 20, but when you do good and suffer, suffer if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God, do you hear? Listen, when you're doing the right thing and you suffer, here's, here's the interesting thing. He says you don't get out of suffering, but you take it and you take it patiently. He goes, then you bring honor to God. That's interesting because if you're like me, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer physically. I don't want to suffer mentally. I just don't want to suffer. And here's what he's saying, but if you suffer for doing good, that's commendable. That's commendable before the Lord. It's commendable before others. If you're suffering because you're doing wrong things, don't, don't whine and cry and have a fit. But even this, check this out. If you suffer for doing good, don't whine and cry. Just suffer. Amen. Just take it. And so he says, listen, that's commendable. Oh, and then he says for, in verse 21, for to this you were called. You might underline that. Did you hear what Peter just said? A lot of us like, listen, a lot of us go, I want to find my calling in life. Really? Really? You really want to find your calling? Yeah, I want to find my calling. Oh, your calling is to suffer. I didn't, no, I did not expect that. And doesn't that go against a lot of the modern gospel? It's interesting that Peter zeroes in on this. It's interesting that Peter now is zeroing in on a whole idea of suffering and the fact that that's what we're called to as believers because Oftentimes as believers, man, we start getting come down on. We have a fit, right? And we want, hey, I know my rights. I know this. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you were called to suffer. 
And then he says, listen, why? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Oh. Now, you gotta understand something. Peter's not saying that Jesus was just an example. As a matter of fact, he's gonna go on and describe Jesus came to die for our sin. But when he was here, how he lived, the things he endured, the things he did, we're supposed to follow that example. And I love the idea, follow in his steps. I'm sure a lot of us, maybe even, maybe even when we were growing up, we kind of we did this, right? A lot, a lot of kids, their dad, especially you know, in a place where, where there's snow and stuff, a dad will walk and leave footprints, and the kid tries to step in those, and you know, it's awkward and stuff. And, and I think that's kind of like, in the, in the area of suffering, trying to step in Jesus' steps, those are some pretty big steps to step in, right? Pretty difficult thing. But he says, listen, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to understand just as he suffered. Listen, he gave us an example of how we're supposed to live when we're going through unjust things. The grossest, greatest, hugest, whatever word you want to use, miscarry of justice is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It was horrible trial. Listen, you talk about the trials, all of it was horrible. And did, did one time, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. So listen, he says, we follow in his steps, verse 22, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now listen here, he's gonna quote a lot, Isaiah 53. If you're not familiar with Isaiah 53, get Isaiah 53, get it. Open your Bible to it and read it, not while I'm teaching, but for homework. So two homeworks tonight, right? What's a homework? Romans 13, Isaiah 53 if you're not familiar. But listen to what he says about Jesus. Listen, he says, here's what he did, man. First of all, he never sinned. Everything that happened to him, you could never say he brought it upon himself. No way. And then I love this whole idea. He says, listen, when he was reviled, he did not revile in, in return. I gotta be a little transparent. I wish I could say that. I think I shared a couple of weeks ago when, when, you know, when anything goes wrong in my life, I'm screaming and yelling and hollering and I'm that guy, I know my rights, you can't do that. And that's so gross. But that's what I do. Not a good thing. Couldn't Jesus, well, I think it's in Matthew, I think it's like Matthew 26. Read the book of Matthew too, <laughs> if you haven't read it yet. But I think it's Matthew 26. Well, no, Matthew 26 is when he's talking to Peter. But when you look at, when you look at Jesus and, listen, man, they came to Jesus and he never opened his mouth. He never claimed his rights. And I guess it might be Matthew 26 where he does tell, tell Peter, he says, you know what, Peter, put your sword away. Quit using the sword because if you use the sword, you're gonna die by the sword. He says, get your sword, put it away. And then he says, don't you know that I could call 12 legions of angels right now? This is not, listen, I'm not suffering because I have to. I'm suffering willingly. Saints, don't you think it's time in our world, our culture, 
that we would want to honor God with our lives and we would put honoring him higher and above our own comfort and our own safety, so to speak, because that's what Jesus did, right? So listen, man, when he, he, didn't, he didn't revile back. It says, it says when he suffered, he didn't threaten. Again, he could have. But listen to what, here's the important thing. Get this out of verse 23. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Can you trust God or not? Period, it comes down to that. I know in my own life, I get into situations, circumstances, where I'm not so sure I can trust God. I'm just being honest. I know most of you are very holy and you've got this down, Pat. (laughs) But there's times where you get freaked out and you get scared and you react in the flesh rather than in the spirit. We need to constantly be reminded, listen, I can commit myself to God. I believe, I can stand here right now and tell you, I believe God loves me more than anybody else in the world loves me. And I believe my wife loves me a whole bunch. But I believe he loves me more. But when the thumb's on me, it's hard to remind myself of that. And here's what Peter's saying. Look at him. Jesus faced what he faced because he was convinced that he could trust himself to the Father. We need to get to that point. No matter what, I'm gonna trust you, God. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't even care how scary it is. I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna believe you for this situation. That's what Peter's talking about. So I want us to think about something because listen, he came from this idea. Listen, where did we start? We started by submitting to authority, right? And now we've come down to really trusting God in the midst of circumstances that are completely out of our control that we can't handle and we need to trust him. And here's what I believe. If you're not doing verse 13, you're not gonna do these other verses. And here's the crazy thing. The things we can control and, you know, quote, keep a lid on, we always do this. Well, I'm trusting God. No, you're not. You gotta figure it out. And when things get out of control and outside of our control, we freak. Or maybe it's just me. I shouldn't speak for everybody, but I will. But we freak, right? We freak, and here's the thing. That's when we should trust him. We should trust him more on the things that you can't control and be honest about, hey, I got this under control. I got this figured out. But the things I can't control, that's when I need to trust God because I can't control those situations. So Peter is looking, man, he's really challenging us. And then listen, he says, trust himself to him who judges righteously. And you might, you know what? You might always remember that. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what somebody does to you, no matter how ugly it gets, God judges righteously. Don't ever forget that. Don't try and be someone you gotta take vengeance. You gotta try and get even. Listen, God judges righteously. And then, and then he goes on to say, uh, verse 24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree that we, have, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness 
by whose stripes you were healed. Now, a couple things I think is important. He didn't say, listen, he didn't say that you and I died to sin, singular. Sin is the nature we have. He said we died to sins, the practice, right? Here's the thing. You don't have to sin anymore. You died to those. Do you still have that nature in you? Yeah. And it's a battle. So that, listen, but we died to the act of sinning. We don't have to sin any longer. Doesn't mean we're not ever gonna sin, but we need to remind ourselves that's what we died to. So Christ came, listen, he bore our sins on his own body. Why? So that we might be dead to that and, check this out, and live to righteousness. What does righteousness look like? It doesn't look like this. Because that's what a lot of his picture, right? The guy with folded hands, a little halo going on, nice robe, um, and we think that's, listen, that's not righteousness. You know what righteousness looks like? Looks like verse 13, submitting to the authority. Righteousness looks like, hey, submitting to that boss you hate and you can't stand, and you know he's cheating you, you know he's gonna cheat you tomorrow, you know what he's gonna do, you're gonna submit to him anyway. That's what righteousness looks like. So he says, listen, we died to that other stuff and we're made alive to righteousness. Again, do you think Peter, you think Peter kind of experienced some of this in his transformation from Peter to Peter? Right, from that guy who wasn't saved to that guy who got saved? You think from that transformation from the time when he rejected Jesus and denied him and then to the Peter who's writing this? Yeah, those aren't the same two guys. He says, hey, I know. I know what I'm talking about. And then, oh, and then he says this one that I think is totally misused today, by whose stripes you were healed. Now, I do believe, I believe, number one, I believe he's talking more spiritual healing than physical healing. But I think he's also talking about physical healing. But there's this whole theology called healing in the atonement, which People who abuse it say this. If you believe that Jesus died for you and rose again on the third day, you never have to get sick again because there's healing in the atonement. And they use this verse, they use a verse in Isaiah, and they use these verses that say, by his stripes we were healed. Number one, what's Peter been talking about? He's been talking about sin and righteousness. He's not been talking about physical healing He's been talking about spiritual healing and getting into the right place spiritually and doing the right thing. So I think mainly that's what he's talking about. But also, I know that I'm gonna be completely healed when I go to heaven. I may never find complete healing here because I live in a fallen world and I live with a bunch of funky people. So listen, he's not saying we're never gonna get sick. Now, I think by his stripes, I was healed. And I will find that ultimate healing when I am with him. And I'm hoping it's rapture. That's my preference. I don't know what your preference is, but my preference is rapture. So listen, so Peter, we need to be careful. Don't grab that and abuse that and say, you never have to be sick. Whenever I read this, I think there was a time where we kind of got involved in this little kind of cult thing in Bisbee, and uh, it, was, it was just some strange people. 
And I remember one night we went to one of their home meetings and it was windy. And I remember this door kept going bang, 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 bang. And I'm thinking, and, and it was in kind of a secluded place in Bisbee and I'm thinking, this is just too weird, right? I'm, wait, I'm, waiting, for, I'm waiting for like demons to show up. It was just a little bizarre. And it's just like frightening. And then, and then this lady has this horrific cold. And I never, listen, even before this whole COVID thing, I never like to be around people that's got a bunch of snot coming out of them, right? <laughs> I mean, stay home, right? I'm just gonna be blunt. Stay home. When you're leaking that bad, stay home. <laughs> So this was horrible. I mean, it's horrible. She's got a whole box of Kleenex and a whole pile of used clean. And she's like, oh, and I will give you all the animation. But then she made this statement. She goes, but I'm not sick. So me, being the kind, considerate, compassionate individual that I am, I said, you may not be sick, but your body is really sick and you need to get it out of here, <laughs> right? I mean, come on. And so they bought into this, that, that, that listen, that's not what Peter is telling us here. Yes, there is healing in the atonement. And do I believe that God miraculously heals today? Absolutely, because I serve the same God that has always been around. So do I believe he does that? Yeah. Do I believe he does that all the time? Listen, he doesn't do it all the time any more now than he did in the first century. Check it out. My, one of my favorite scriptures, remember when Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda and there's a guy, right? And there's that whole, uh, there's that whole weird thing. I don't want to get into the weirdness because we'll be here all night, but there's a whole weird thing about, yeah, the angels go and stir the water. Remember that whole thing? And you're going, that is bizarre. Where did that come from? And you try and teach that as a pastor and you're going, let's just skip over that part. <laughs> so we'll skip over that tonight. But listen, how many lame people were there there that day? 100, 200, how many did Jesus heal? One. I think it's important that we remember that. Healing didn't happen like all the time. In the book of Acts, check it out as you're reading through the book of Acts. I know we're getting close to the end, but go back and reread and check out how many times actual healings took place in the book of Acts, and you need to understand something. The book of Acts covers about, I'm saying approximately a 30-year period. How many healings were there in that period? I, hey, I know we can read it real fast, and we think, well, all of this happened in like three hours. <laughs> no, it happened over a long period of time. So again, do I believe that God heals today? I believe he does. I believe he, I believe he's heals just as often today as he did all through history. He wasn't always healing people all the time, and he wasn't always healing everybody. So enough on that, right? I'll get off that horse. So listen, he says that. Now here's all of that to get to this. Listen, I think from 13, well actually I think from verse one of chapter two, all the way to here, here's what Peter wanted to say. Listen carefully, for you in verse 25 were like sheep going astray. Again, it's kind of sound like Isaiah 53, isn't it? For you, listen, and here's what I love. He says you were that. Right? You were like sheep going astray, and then I love this, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Oh, yes. Yes. Who's writing this letter? Peter. Who was the sheep that went astray? 
I mean really astray, Peter. And who returned to the shepherd and the overseer of his soul? Peter. What a great, listen, I think, I think man, this is coming. I know, I know that the Holy Spirit guides and directs and et cetera. This is coming out of the heart of a man who knows what it's like to fail miserably and be restored and come back. That's coming out of his heart to our hearts. So we may not do 13 perfect. We may not do 14, 15, 16, 18. We may not do these verses perfect, but here's what we need to do. No, we have a shepherd and we have an overseer of our souls. We have somebody who wants to look over us, watch over us, I always think it's fascinating when people want to talk about guardian angels. I don't want no stinking angel. I got Jesus. What do I want an angel for, right? It's like you're going to trade Jesus for an angel? I'm going with Jesus. He says he's the shepherd and overseer of my soul. I don't need no angel. I need Jesus. And, you know, maybe you guys aren't as bad as I am, so an angel works for you. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Jesus looks at me and he goes, you are such a mess, but I'll fix you. I'm your shepherd. I'll take care of you. What does a shepherd do? You know, we live in Arizona. We're used to cowboys, right? And cowboys, listen, cowboys drive cattle. Shepherds lead sheep. Always remember, that's hard for us because, again, culturally, we're thinking, man, you got to... No. We got a shepherd. Man, he loves us. He cares for us. I don't know that we'll ever experience the shepherding greater than, listen carefully, when we're submitting in areas that we're so angry about, but we're gonna submit anyway. Then we understand, I have a good shepherd, because here's what I know, he's doing it, not me. Hallelujah. So what does Peter say? Hey, here's all this stuff, but here's the end. You got a shepherd and an overseer of your soul. Hallelujah. And doesn't matter how stray you get, he'll come after you and he'll find you. Let's stand up and pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word, God. And thank you for just the challenge that we have as we, as we read this. Lord, I think it's easy for us to kind of look at our lives and, and Lord, even at times, we can, we can even in our minds justify some of the decisions we make. And I pray, God, I pray that as we think about what we read tonight, that I pray for all of us that we would go back and reread it, meditate on it some, that we would apply it to our personal lives, decisions we make, the interactions we have, the way we interact with different institutions and different people, and that, God, you would be glorified in what we do. I pray, just as you said in the beginning, that we would do what we do for the Lord's sake and that we would bring you honor and glory. And I'm gonna ask you to stay in attitude of prayer for just a couple more minutes, and if you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, You've never recognized what he's done for you on the cross. Man, tonight is a time to do that. We've looked at this, we talked about, we, we saw where he took our sin 
and he paid the price so we could be set free from sin. He made us righteous again and changed us. So listen, if you've never recognized that, if, if that doesn't ring true in your heart, then tonight is the night of salvation. And here's what you need to do. You've got to come to the place where you recognize what Jesus Christ has done. The fact that he died for your sin, the fact that he took your personal sin upon himself, paid the price, and now here tonight he offers you that forgiveness and all you have to do is believe him and trust him. And I wanna help you maybe verbalize that. Maybe that's true in your heart tonight. I wanna help you verbalize that. So if you've never listened, if you've never put it, put it into words, tonight's a good night to do that. To let him know that you understand that he died for your sin. That you understand that tonight he's offering you that forgiveness and you wanna take hold of that. So you can say this prayer with me, you can say it out loud, you can say it silently. It's not volume what matters, but what matters is your heart and this, the condition and the sincerity of your heart. If you're backslidden, tonight's a good night to come home. Come back to Jesus. We're gonna say a prayer, you can say it with us. If you're watching online, you can say the prayer right where you're at. You can call on the name of the Lord. That's what the Bible says. If you call on his name, you will be saved. That's basically what this prayer is. So you can do it at your home or you can do it here in this building. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I'm sorry that I sinned against you, God. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight I want you to be my Lord and my Savior.